0: Alright, hey guys, how are you? Steve? Good. Richard? Afternoon. Yeah, it's been a nice day outside, isn't it? Glorious. We are just discussing um, coming out of winter, going into spring, hopefully we'll leave the uh, cold weather behind us now. Do you prefer winter or summer?
1: No, nah, I'm definitely more of a summer person. Yeah, how
0: <laughs> about you, Rich? Summer. Yeah. yeah. Except
1: I'm, for training, I guess. Yeah. Training, summer can be hot uncomfortable.
0: Mm, I'm a spring man. Spring? Yeah, I'm in between. <laughs> I don't deal with the heat too well.
2: Uh, hotter the better Yeah
0: So mate um, Yeah just Thank you so much For doing this Just thought it right. um, be a good way For everyone A Reedy To get to know you A little bit better um, How you found Your time here So far It's been
1: good um, It's been really good To get back into A CrossFit environment Even if it is only Sort of one or two days a week um, Yeah I guess I found CrossFit's obviously Always been that Sort of Cool community vibe So I think that was something that, I mean, I had that have that over at Raw as well, but mm. that's something that's sort of been missing since, I guess, the start of COVID and sort of CrossFit sort of fading away for a little while. Yep. So it's been good to get back into that sort of community vibe and yeah. everyone knows everyone, everyone's happy for a chat sort of thing. It,
0: yeah. yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's a speaking of COVID and 2020, how has the year been for you? Uh,
2: it's been
1: not too bad. It's been, um, to be honest almost probably a good thing for me like um, there's a bit of a kick in the butt to start doing some of your own stuff yeah. um, when you sort of everything kind of gets pushed into the background when you're flat out working for other people or um, doing uni or doing this and I guess social life gets in the way of those sorts of things as well so as soon as COVID came around and everything all those things were sort of suppressed a little bit mm. um, it was almost a good opportunity with, oh, crap, I've got all this free time. Like, what am I going to do with it? I may as well be productive. So Mm. um, for me, like, it was obviously my degree and everything was all online anyway. um, But all of a sudden I had this extra 20, 30 hours a week to really hone in on that and still get my training in and feel like I had time to do everything. Yeah. um, As opposed to, I guess, there's a lot of... I've found there's a lot of useless time in my day. Like when you're driving to and from work and you're doing this and you're doing that. And when you're not having to do that every single day, that's like two, three hours a day that is not spent doing nothing. Yeah. So it can be more productive,
0: which is good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool. Or if it is spent doing nothing, it's like stress-free nothing. It's not
0: like I'm on my way to work, nothing. Yeah. Do you listen Um, to anything in the car on the way to work? Like do you, do um, you use that for quiet time or? no
1: no i kind of i i use it for downtime definitely yeah um either to just listen to music and not really think too much or check on a funny podcast yes um, more so than anything just for a laugh but depending on my mood like maybe i'll chuck something on that is a little bit more educational you could say and try and learn something while i'm going but sometimes i feel like that
2: doesn't work Doesn't work, yeah <laughs>
1: That 45 minute drive or half an hour drive is the time where you probably want to be thinking about nothing Because then you're going to be on
0: for the remainder of the day Yeah, yeah A lot can happen in that car ride in your head
2: Yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, A bit of background about yourself, like where did you grow up? And
1: I was born actually out this way So I was born in the Hawkesbury in Windsor and lived like the first 12, 6 to 12 months of my life So when I was a baby in Bly Park, so only really yeah. around the corner from here. Yeah. Um, and then mum and dad bought a house in Borco, so I spent about four years there in Borkham Hills, and then we moved over to Kellyville, where I spent sort of the next 14 years, really, or no, even more, nearly 20 years there. Yeah. Um, so I went to school in Kellyville, I went to primary school in Kellyville, and then I went to Oak Hill College in high school. And then, yeah, just recently we've obviously moved out back out to the Hawkesbury so now I'm across the river and up the putty road a little bit in Colo.
0: Plenty of time in the car. Yeah, plenty of time in the car
1: coming in here. But you know what, it's like there's been a nice change being here now, um as opposed to working in and around the Hills district. Now I actually work in and around the Hawkesbury so it makes more sense to be yeah out this way and it's not too bad. Whereas yeah, you're right, like it was an, an hour's drive each way every morning and every evening which was getting old pretty quick.
0: Yeah. Do you live on acreage out there?
1: Yeah. So we're on sixty-two acres out wow. there, which is pretty good. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah. It's a big block, and it's yeah, it's everything that I thought having an acreage would be. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's always something that like my family has acres, and we're always out there, and I'm loving life out there, and I'm yeah. like, man, I wish I had this. And then as soon as we got it, I was like, okay, yeah, it's everything that like you can do anything. There's, yeah. There's space is not an issue, noise is not an issue, so it's kind of. Do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, I saw on Instagram um during COVID time you were creating a few pieces of gym equipment out there. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we were having to play around with different ideas. Um but that was actually that was cool as well. It's almost a shame that um I'm not getting the use out of it now. But when COVID did happen, I'm glad that I took that time to get everything set up. Like we put up a handstand wall, built a rig. Yeah. Um we have a platform out there, bought some matting, put down some matting, built a squat rack and all that sort of stuff. Yep. Um so it was good now the home gym's well and truly set up and it's it's nice. <laughs> yeah.
0: You can do something out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: with with school, how was school life for you? School was good. Did you play um, sports during school or?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I played rugby for yeah. rugby union for the better part of my younger years leading up to teenage. So I started playing rugby union when I was Maybe four. I started playing in my older cousin's team. Yeah, really. Um, so I played. It was funny going up through rugby. I played sixes, so it starts at under sixes. I played under sixes, under sevens, eights, eights, eights nines, tens, tens, elevens, twelves, thirteens, fourteens. Like, so I had to repeat two years because I was playing always playing up with older cousins and yep, stuff. Yeah. And then eventually they get to the point where they go, "You're too young to play any higher." Like, you need to yeah take some time. Um, and then I got really into baseball for a little while so I played baseball from when I was maybe 11 um, in the summer so opposite to rugby uh, right up until I was 18 and I've even gone back for one or two seasons in the last few years just to have a muck around in sort of social setting yeah um, which is cool I still play cricket every now and then like again the last year I went back for another season and I think just every now and then I get this drive to want to play a team sport again, yeah, yeah, um, which is fun. It's never good for my um,
0: drinking, but
1: (laughs) yeah, (laughs) playing social sport,
0: yeah. And takes up like baseball. How long does a baseball game go for?
1: Baseball is only two hours. um, It's not like cricket where you get five, six hours. Yeah, whereas cricket's long. And cricket, cricket is funny. Like Taylor always gets the shits during (laughs) cricket season because it's like. Train Saturday morning, and then I'm yeah. at the cricket pitch at eleven, and yeah. then I'll finish up at ten to six. Yeah, <laughs> like she should become so a scorer. She should just come and watch. <laughs> yeah, <like laughs> support. yeah, support. Yeah, support the boys, Taylor. Come yeah. on.
0: <laughs> I'm sure she'll love being called out on a podcast. Oh yeah, she'll love it. Don't she? <laughs> she'll be next. Yeah, yeah. Um, who do you play for? Got cricket? When you do um, out here in the Hawkesbury, or
1: no? Yeah? So I was actually playing for Ganori. Okay. Um, Glenory Cricket Club and that was only because so when I was in Kellyville there's a long story but we had a friend me and my cousin had a friend that were playing, was playing for Glenory. we went and played for him yep. and then it just made sense to go back and play with people that I knew yeah. rather than start out at a new club like the extra 20 minutes drive was worth not having to make new friends yeah yeah. <laughs> I think that's why
0: you always get drawn back into team sports because you, you those relationships and you want to Play with your mates and be around you know, just have a bit of a bit of fun, yeah for sure, yeah yeah one hundred percent rather than going into a club and trying to meet everyone new,
1: yeah, you know, it's uh, comfortable yeah, it is like I've always been okay with that sort of thing, but um at the same time, like I don't know it's it's probably a little bit of a competitiveness thing as well where yeah. like I don't really want like because when you're a new person coming to a new club. Like, I've always noticed it takes you sort of, like, say you're a, a um, like, so, say baseball, for example. Say you're a Division 1 player, you always have been, and you know you can still play mm. that level. But then when you're signing up to a new club, they have no idea who you are. So they're kind of like, like, you'll instantly get put in Division 3, and then they'll go, oh, maybe this guy should play Division 2, and then by three quarters of the way through the season, you'll be playing Division 1. Whereas if you had just gone back to the club you knew, yeah, you wouldn't have had to waste time in the beer league as such yep um yeah and again that's just competitiveness for me like i can't really go back to a team sport and not try and be good at it yes like i can't go back just to have fun it's fun but i have to be good at it yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) i know what you mean was it like that here trying to like coaching here your first session like you don't know anyone Mm. what was that like for you coming into a community that's like we're all relatively tight and Mm. like everyone knows each other and what's that like what was that like for you
1: um it was interesting I think I'm lucky in the sense that I can tend to pick out the person that I'm going to click with and sort of draw towards those two or three people to begin with yeah and then sort of you know like once you've got and in with one or two people, it kind of it's a trickle down effect, it and breaks it breaks the ice. And it breaks yeah. the ice. Um, so just picking those one or two people, I guess, to begin with that you're going to click with, well, get to know them quite well, and then next, like, because I think the other thing is, as a member, like, if I'm a member as well, and a new coach comes in, um, if I hadn't been a coach in the past and know what that feels like, it's very easy for members to be like, "Oh, it's a new coach. I don't want to break the ice with a new coach." Yes. So they sort of stand back, so you find those one or two people that then the other people feel less uncomfortable about it because they can see other people doing it. Yeah. Um. So I think that's a big thing, is that as well. Um. But I've also just, I'm not a shy person yeah. as such, so um, yeah. that kind of plays in your favor a little bit as well. Yeah. Whereas if you're a little bit shy,er I think it's kind of hard to mm. break the ice. I think the hardest thing coming into here was. COVID restrictions like yes all of a sudden I guess you're we went from having one coaching style very hands-on very close and personal sort of coaching style before COVID Mm. and then COVID hit and you go three months without coaching and then you come back and you can't even fall back into your old coaching style you kind of have to adapt because everyone has to be Bit spread out. You can't be too hands on with people. Mm. Um, Like even I think the first thing I said to you was when meeting new people here, such an uncomfortable feeling to not be able to shake their hand. Yes, or to at least have to be conscious of it. And then when you do shake someone's hand, you go, "Shit, I'm not supposed to be doing that." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um. So it's a bit. That was that was a funny thing to have to adapt to was, um, not being able to fall back into old habits as much.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of um over that time, people going to. Know fist bump and then someone would go to shake, you. you'd end up bumping their <laughs> fingers, and like, or you'd be shaking hands and then both realizing that, oh, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. And yeah, this, yeah I'd, so awkward this yeah. time, just uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, 100%.
1: Well, it's kind of like, I and I said this a little while ago, I think even to you, is that you go however many years, right? Like you go 20, 30, 40, 50 mm. years for some people in the gym. Always shaking someone's hand and it's rude not to shake someone's hand yes and now we're in this time period where like people are going to look at you funny if you do shake someone's hand yes like it's such a reverse and it's um, I've heard lots of people say that they reckon it's going to stay that way you know what I mean just from a cleanliness thing I cannot say it's staying that way yeah it's like I even now, like you still catch yourself doing it we're supposed to have been doing this for six months now and you still catch yourself shaking still hands uncomfortable, hands. Isn't it's it? It's still
2: uncomfortable yeah, yeah. yeah. you've got a handshake it's all over the place yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, or whenever I'm meeting someone new now I'm automatically I'm just sticking out my hand to shake it and yeah. if they shake it back, they shake it back if not well that's cool too but yeah I, I can't break the habit or I'm finding it very hard to
1: yeah I remember I was walking through Windsor um just up to the woolies to get some groceries yeah and i just passed a friend that was walking the other way and i said oh hey and like went and gave her a hug and there happened to be two gds coppers walking past like and i didn't even think about it like i saw them there and like i've given her a hug and then she's gone we're not supposed to do that (laughs) like there's like and she goes there's cops right there and i was like sure like yeah, how about how bad of a mood would you have to be to be like yeah. that? Natural reaction, don't do that.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I do feel we're in this weird um, moment of time where COVID exists, but it kind of everyone's acting it doesn't exist, and it's what mm. like, like mm. should like we distance, but we don't distance. Should we shake mm. hands? We not shake hands. There's not an outbreak. We're not in lockdown. It's mm. just I found that there's a really weird t- time that. Some people go, oh, no, it's still, you know, really staunch about, you no, know, keep your distance and blah, blah, blah. And then others, it's like nothing's ever happened.
2: Mm, mm.
1: I think whatever everyone is doing right now, we seem to be yeah. trending in the right direction. So just mm. keep doing whatever you're doing now. Yeah, I think the big problem hits in when all of a sudden you have people doing the wrong thing, yeah. but blatantly doing the wrong thing because they know it's the wrong thing to do. Yes. Like yeah. you can see it a lot. In the States and stuff Right Yeah And and I know that There's things going on over there But like There's people protesting Even against The fact that they're supposed to be In lockdown Mm. And you're going Well you're not helping the problem That's right Yeah Just help the problem And then we can all go back to normal
0: That's been happening in Victoria well, that's what yeah. the
1: example I was going to use was Melbourne, but I mm. don't want someone from Melbourne to listen and be like, You dickhead. <laughs> like. Or you take
2: America now, over 200,000 people have died. Yeah. Like mm. That's just yeah crazy.
0: Yeah. And they're predicting a lot more. Mm. Anyway.
1: Until we get a vaccine, which apparently yeah. is well on the way. I'm starting to feel. Have you ever seen that movie? There's a joke I've got going around at home with mum. That's. Do um, you ever see the movie I Am Legend with Will Smith? no no well they find like a, have you seen it yes. yeah they find a vaccine for cancer right and then everyone essentially turns into like almost the walking dead is almost what you would think anyone who get, got this vaccine right yeah and um i've got a joke at home like that that's what's going to happen here yeah. they've had to accelerate this vaccine <laughs> yeah. there's going to be some like offhanded, yeah side effect to it yeah that no one saw coming we will become a different species in some
0: way after school you went to uni
1: Yep, yeah, so I went, well actually no, no, so I actually hit year 10, um, finished year 10 and then for some social reasons decided that I didn't really want to go back to school Yeah. but then when looking into it a little bit more, um, I was probably going to go back, potentially change schools, not 100% sure because um, I never really struggled at school Like, and the social aspect wasn't a problem, it was a small like incident with a group of people yeah so then we were like oh do I go to another school do we do this do we do that Um, and when looking into it and talking to certain careers counsellors and that sort of thing with the direction that I wanted to head with doing sport and exercise science they actually said to me if you go spend 12 months at TAFE doing your cert 3 and cert 4 um, ACU will more than likely accept you into the course that you want to do anyway Mm -hmm. so i actually left after year 10 spent what would have been year 11 doing a tafe course and then spent what would have been my hsc year starting my degree right um so i actually ended up in uni a year earlier than what was anticipated yeah really um so i did that with acu with acu yeah yeah Yeah. so i did a bachelor of sport and exercise science there um did my first year full-time And then went to part-time after that. So it took me four years to get a three-year degree done. Mm -hmm. Got through that. um, And then now I've enrolled in a master's there as well. So I'm in my second semester of a part-time master's of high-performance sport. Yep. So at the back end of my bachelor's, I got to talk to a couple of people from different campuses because ACU has like Brisbane, Melbourne... um, I don't have a Perth campus, I don't think. Um, but I got to talk to a couple of them, and they sort of started pushing me towards that high performance sport masters. And when I looked more and more into it, I thought it was became more and more appealing. So that's the yeah. route that I decided to go down.
0: Going right back, when did you? What made you pick sports and exercise science? So at school, that's what I want to do, or is there were, were you tossing up with a few different things? Um, it's a good question. To be honest,
1: it was probably CrossFit. That really led me down, I guess, the interest in exercise in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, obviously, Cert 3 and 4 in fitness, so personal training was kind of a natural follow-on effect from there. And then the sport and exercise science degree, I guess, was wanting to be better at the same things. So, yeah. And then the more and more I got into sort of the sporty realm and seeing some of the more advanced, not necessarily technologies, but methods and stuff that can be used for different things, the more and more attractive it got to me. And yeah. that was sort of the realm that I just ended up heading. To be honest, everything that I've done post-school has almost been something that I've fallen into. Like it's not been a long-term sight set on that. Mm. Um, it's just sort of happened over time where that's what I've fallen into and fallen into and
0: fallen into. Yeah, something like, okay, you've found CrossFit and then you Mm. developed uh, an interest in wanting to pursue something along those lines and then fallen into Cert 3, Cert 4. Yeah. Then, okay, yeah, I do enjoy this and that's reinforced. Yep, then go and do a Bachelor and so on and so on. So the more you've got to learn and experience um, as you've gone along, you've sort of just used that to propel you into the next thing yeah Mm -hmm. and
1: i can see it going even further like now that i'm getting part of the way through this masters things that used to daunt me like the research side of things for example has always been something that i've sat back and gone that's not for me not for me but the more and more that i spend time talking to particular researchers and doing this through the course the more and more i sit back and go oh maybe that's actually a route that eventually I'll move towards with mm. the academia side of things.
0: Do you feel that you've become more curious?
1: No, I think I've always been very curious. I think I have just become better at sourcing the information. Yep. Um, so I think I was always curious, but I never really knew where to get yep, the, an- the answers. Yep. Um, and now I've sort of figured that out better, whether if that be with my own self-research or just, to be honest, through this university having access to the people that can supply that information yep. um, and building good enough relationships with them that
0: they're willing to do so mm. when are you? so i'll go back to crossfit in a little mm-hmm. while but when do you expect to finish your master's in exercise in high performance
1: so i should be finished my units as such um by middle of next year so may yeah and then after that I need to do either internship hours or a research project. And this is where mm-hmm. I'm hitting my like, hmm, like yeah. what do I do? Which direction do I go? Because if you yes, do the internship, the options? Yeah. so I can do an internship, which is like in the six months to a year, it's like 240 hours or something ridiculous like that with a sports club. Mm-hmm. That's a really good in because you get to go and obviously talk to and work with the people that potentially give you a job in sport. Further on down the track. However, the research side of things is also you're in to a doctorate if you ever want to do it. So you go to this research project and it looks good as gold and then you finish up and you decide you want to do an honours in something and then you decide you want to do a PhD. That major research project that you've done, is if it's good, is very appealing to – because essentially it's postdoctoral um, – so people who have done their PhD and then a, mm-hmm. um, a doctorate after it, they are the people that can then they bring you on as a PhD student and sort of it's their funding that funds you. Yes, that makes sense. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, so then you come on and you go and do it through them. So having that good background in research is what actually gets you into being able to do that sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of people that want to do a PhD that never will just because they'll never get accepted.
0: Yeah. Um which I'm probably one of those people, but <laughs> <laughs> um, But yeah, as I said. Are you leaning more towards the internship?
1: Probably. I'm not 100% sure. I feel like the the internship's a huge commitment because it's like we're talking a lot of hours a week for the better part of a year for zero cash. Yeah. Um, and then... Also, with COVID and everything going on, like I may, if this doesn't die down in the next, by the end of summer, for example, if we're still in a position where we're having to be restricted at the end of summer, there may not be an internship for me. So, That's true. Because yeah. obviously they're, they're not even, they're having to fire staff in the yeah. sporting world. Players are having to take pay cuts yep. because they can't get other st- fans and they can't get stuff into stadiums to watch and do mm. this and do that. So they're not gonna bring on a non essential intern right so that's one thing um whereas the research project is maybe a little bit easier to get done or but again then it doesn't really give you the inroads, but I also feel like there's a lot of buts in this conversation I feel yeah. like the um, <laughs> I feel like the you can get the same inroads by having an impressive research project yep like, absolutely and I think it's it's all who you know it's not necessarily what you know yeah so
0: i i've managed to get a lot of places in life with who i knew yeah rather than what i knew yeah for sure yeah. for yeah. sure
1: yeah and there's plenty of um there's plenty of people who are putting phd students on who only want to give them put them with professional sport if that makes sense so there's like it's almost the same yeah. as doing an internship but you're doing you're almost getting the best of both worlds. Yeah. Um. As such,
0: I think they're talking in the NRL. They're talking about moving the Warriors already permanently to Australia for next year's season. Really? Yeah. Wow. So the you know the whole club basically has to move to Australia. Yeah. When you when you say due to COVID and you know bringing in interns and um, I guess unnecessary staff because they're actually thinking the COVID bubble that they currently have around the, the squad of, say, 30 players or 30 people mm-hmm. um, is going to extend into the start of next season for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but it's it's certainly seeming like it's going to hang around for a little while. Like, they've, yeah. we were thinking three months ago, or even, you know, at the start of this, we were like, if we can nip it in the butt, yeah. everyone will be back to... Sort of... Normal. Normal. Yeah. Um, and now we're looking at, you know, they're saying at least end of next year before they'll allow anyone to fly internationally. and yeah. All this sort of stuff. It'd be nice if we can see um, that trans-Tasman bubble that they yeah. were talking about. Yeah. If sort of the two islands down here can sort their crap out. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Like you can see even with what's happening within Australia itself that it's probably looking... Unlikely.
0: Mm. Um, Speaking of international travel, you you spent some. Can you share some experience about the time you went to America of the high performance? Yeah.
1: Yep. So the back end of my bachelor's degree, we had a an elective unit available that was essentially a trip to the United States for a in air quotes high performance tour. Mm -hmm. So we flew over there. We started in Philly. And we sort of floated across the states visiting a whole bunch of different sporting teams or associations. So we got to go and talk to people like the head of high performance from the um, Philadelphia 76ers. And then we got to go over to the Eagles. We went to Vegas and saw the Golden Knights, um, the UFC Performance Institute, which from a sporting perspective, holy crap, like that's... Insane. Yeah. Um. You got to talk to the head of high performance for Cirque du Soleil. We went over to Oregon. We went to the University of Oregon. Up to Portland, to Sacramento to see the Kings to L.A. Um, wow. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. So when we spoke to the Rams in L.A. Oh, Red Bull in L.A. That was pretty cool as well. Talking to essentially almost like a marketing for their high performance side of things, and Red Bull is pretty cool the way that they do things um, obviously not the healthiest of products but their the way that they are set up to look after their athletes is yep. pretty awesome the will the mon- the willingness to pour money into their athletes is pretty awesome i guess did you um, see
0: anything that you blew your mind or what do you think do you think what makes you say that
1: with red bull yeah just some of the projects and stuff that they do so like they have a couple of for example big wave surfers and some of the pro bono things that they set up – oh no, sorry, not pro bono. Some of the things that they set up, the amount of money that it would cost them to do it purely to give their athletes a good training day. Like, they're, they're never, ever going to make that money back yep. in what the athlete is going to do for them. And I actually asked about that, and I said, like, where are your margins set up to the point where, like, you can actually justify doing these sorts of things where you can go, we're going to spend some exorbitant amount of money, a few million dollars on doing this certain thing for this one particular athlete. What's your return like, on investment? Like, what's your return on investment? Like, there's none. Like, especially when you're talking about you're talking about athletes like um, Sean White, the snowboarder. Um, I think he's Aussie, isn't he? Is he Aussie? No. No, no not he's not. Sean. Not he's Sean. American. White. He's American. Um, he's American. Sean White, like, they took him out into the middle of nowhere, like, into a forest, like, set up a whole bunch of stuff out there for him, just for him to practice this one trick leading into um, either the X Games or the Winter Olympics. I think it must have been the X Games. And the amount of money it would have cost them to chopper him into this random place, wow. set up this random thing for him, um, like, barely any cameras or anything like that. No, it was the Olympics, I lie. And, yeah, absolutely insane Mm. the amount of money they would spend on it and as i said like even if he a he probably would have got the gold medal anyway but then even if he does get the gold medal it doesn't make them that much more money Mm. from a marketing sense it's just unbelievable and she actually said that the owner of red bull is just that's what he loves like he just loves that sort of thing so he's just willing to pour money into it and Mm. it's not a huge deal like there's not really a margin or a kpi that they need to be as worried about with that sort of thing so just an yeah. awesome amount of freedom from a sporting perspective.
0: That's where success comes from, isn't it? When, it can be, yeah, yeah. When money's not really, There's it, more more about the care for the athlete or the person mm. rather mm. than a financial gain. Yes, for mm. sure,
1: yeah. But I think you need to take, like, um, this is probably a discussion for another time. Yeah. But I was going to say, you almost need to take, like money needs to be off the table for money yes. not to be an issue. Yes, like, yeah, like yep. it's it's okay for someone like Red Bull because. Someone like Red Bull, they're already making that much money. That money is not the issue that they need to squabble over that extra $10 million a year when they're making $10 billion a year. Yep. Um, whereas small settings, like if you're an individual, you can't just go out and like train athletes and stuff with money not being a factor. Yeah. You definitely. need to make money to be able to do those things for
0: people. Yep it's something that we wrestle with daily the what we want to do to be, to provide care for what we want a Reedy to be mm. it can only happen with money but yeah <laughs> but but you don't want it to be about you money you don't want it, it's not about money for us and mm. it's um but you, you you need some to just keep to stay alive and you need a little bit to to provide some services to grow but all of our conversations are like this is what we want to do to care more about and show that you know provide more for the members, but there's always that wrestle with well, what's the minimum we can charge for that to be yeah. able to just have that balance. Yeah. yeah,
2: if you've got a big piggy bank, it helps. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. If you have a piggy bank like Red Bull does, <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> <right>. <laughs> <laughs> you meant USC? Jim was was that was it USC fighters? Oh, UFC. UFC. UFC,
1: Yeah, so we went to the UFC Performance Institute. What was that like? Awesome. Absolutely awesome. And um, like the guy who runs it, Duncan French is his name. Like he is just a wealth of knowledge. Like it's unbelievable. And some of the people that they have there, like, yeah, you just – there's just a team of people that individually all know more than – a team of people at most other sporting clubs and you've got five or six of them floating around in one area or working collaboratively. And it's just, it's a pretty beautiful thing to see. like you can, Mm. you can see the, obviously the money that's into it. Um, But yeah, and like the performance Institute over there is set up so that essentially just to help the UFC athletes. So it doesn't even, It does not charge UFC athletes to go over there and train there. Like anything, if you're a fighter, provided you've got a contract with the UFC, Mm -hmm. to go over there and work with them doesn't cost you anything, which is mind-boggling, right? Mm -hmm. And essentially what happened was they sat down one day and they said, okay, this is how much money we're losing because fighters either – aren't making weigh-ins or they're getting hurt prior to their fight and they're pulling the pin. And what they sort of ran the cost-benefit was if we spend all this money getting this UFC PI up and running, can we save enough money with time loss with our fighters that it's worthwhile? Mm. And they have. And like I can't remember exactly what the statistic was, but you're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars saved just because of the amount of athletes that they were able to, you know, have not be injured in the last couple of days of fight camp and have to pull the plug or not make weight and then either, and then their opponent doesn't yeah want to fight because the other guy was too heavy mm-hmm. or whatever it is. It's just pretty, pretty awesome because there's some serious money that's been poured into that place.
0: Yeah. And that's, that would be a big, big thing for them is their whole business revolves around the fight in the octagon. Yep. So getting the fighter to the octagon is... Is huge. Is is all... Yeah, it's what they have to do.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think if we looked back, like I I never really followed it that closely, mm. but I can remember like a couple of people pulling out of fights and stuff maybe like six, seven years ago in the UFC when UFC was kind of... I guess not as respectable as it is now. Um, and now I, I can't remember a fighter pulling out in the last mm. however long.
0: While you were saying it I did have a thought about I can't remember many fights where they've pulled out recently.
2: No. It, yeah, I can't it remember. It still anything. happens but then they've got a backup and they've just slot someone else in straight mm. away. So that's yep. the other benefit that comes out of that. Yeah. But isn't it yeah, phenomenal it's getting that group of people working collaborative together? or the athlete. Mm. Yeah, that, it's pretty that, cool. That yeah, that's what drives that performance.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you so those two places are kind of set up for the individual athlete? Did you mm-hmm. notice a big difference when you went to a team-oriented facility? Say for example, the Philadelphia, was it 76ers? Mm-hmm. Like was there a difference in the I hope so. <laughs> there's the, too many there's like the oh, 49ers no. in yeah. San Francisco
1: and I always every <laughs> yeah. now and then I get the numbers wrong and I'm yeah. like
0: what? the one in Phil- Philadelphia yes yeah, was, yeah. Um, yeah did, was, did you feel a difference between or was there different approaches to how they went about culture and how they treated athletes depending on whether it was a team orientated or for individuals yeah so for individuals
1: it's it is all about the individual right it has to yes be. Yeah. Um, whereas I guess with teams some places you could see there's more culture than others or more of an attempt to make sure culture is built than others Um, but i think almost everywhere has some aspect of delivering to the individual as well as delivering to the team yeah Um, but you can definitely see the difference like for example the philadelphia one the amount of time that they spend designing a program so that there can be some level of autonomy within that whether it would be, the best example is probably like recovery, right? So rather than at the end of a training session saying, okay, you guys both need to go and get in an ice bath for X amount of time, what we can say instead is, okay, at the end of this session, you have either a recovery, you have either an ice bath, a 30-minute massage, a sauna, or one other thing that you can go and do, pick the one that you enjoy doing. And I think sometimes in a team perspective things can get so gelled into because we're a team we all do the same thing but i think then sometimes you take away some of that ability for athletes in particular to be autonomous and feel like they have some sort of weigh in on Mm. what they're actually doing and that's something as well that like i struggle with from a coaching perspective or from a programming perspective is i know what you should be doing but then, how do I find a place to give you the freedom to decide what you're going to do and have mm. you
0: choose the right thing? Yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I like the aspect of having the different options for recovery.
1: Yes, yeah, that's for sure. There's there's a um, there's a, what's called a recovery point system, which is something that um, I know the Socceroos used for a little while under their head of high performance a couple of years ago, and essentially they would get given this. Recovery system point score, they'd get told how many points they had to accumulate before the end of the week and each recovery modality was worth a certain amount of points. So phone roll for 15 minutes might have been worth one point. A Two minutes in, five minutes off for three sets. Ice bath might have been worth five points. 20-minute sauna might have been worth five points. And okay, by the end of the week, you need to have accumulated 20 recovery points. And that's really good because you have a thousand different options. If you really, really, really hate the ice bath, then maybe you'll just do a bunch more foam rolling. Yeah. Or maybe you'll get two massages and have a sauna rather than whatever the other options are. Yeah. And I think that's really good because I feel like recovery can be done... Recovery is something that can be done unsupervised. Yes. To a degree. However... Competitive athletes have a tendency to be non-compliant. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> isn't that everybody? And CrossFit yeah. gym members. Yes. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. If you don't mind, moving on to going way back to what started all of this. CrossFit. CrossFit. Where did yeah. you start? What? Why? Is CrossFit. Where? What sparked your interest?
1: Uh, yeah. So it's funny, actually. So I started doing CrossFit when I was in eight, wow. I think. So a while ago. And well, maybe not that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, But so actually what happened was my mum was actually doing a Tough mutter with a couple of my aunties. Yeah. And my mum decided like she'd been doing some reading and CrossFit was one of the things that some trainer had suggested that you do to train for a Tough Mudder. So mum looked it up and she decided she was going to go do have this trial session at CrossFit and then go Mum. Yeah. And yeah. then we ended up at a gym that was just down the road from school. So she convinced me to come and do a trial session with her. Yeah. Anyway, we did the trial session, both signed up to like a two day a week membership. And then like maybe day, I don't know. I want to say in the second week we were there, mum sprained her ankle on a five K run. Mm. Um, rather than cancel her membership, they just kept her membership running and I was allowed to go as often as I wanted. And then I ended up sort of down there five days a week after school. Like I'd go straight from school down to there and I was there on a Saturday morning and then, yeah, it kind of sort of fell in love with it when I was 15 and then did it for X amount of years and then had a little bit of time off when, I know, like anything, just gets... I was gonna say, maybe not get stale, but sort of I turned eighteen and had better things to do. Yes. And yeah. <laughs> other interests. Yeah, I had other interests. And then yeah, after I got through that and then started coaching a bit more and yeah. here we are.
0: Do you remember what it was that when you were fourteen, fifteen, what was the, the juice to keep going back every day? And what what actually what was your first session? What did you think of it? Um my f- okay so my first session
1: ever was like i want to say pull ups which i had to do with a band box jumps and maybe thrusters i think it might have been jesus and it was pretty rough workout yeah welcome um, to crossfit yeah yeah <laughs> it was pretty rough but i like so i was i was i'll give you a bit of a background i was a pretty chubby kid like going through yeah. primary school but i was this chubby kid that was definitely not the fittest for example but when it came around to cross country there was the kids that were actually good at cross country that would smoke me yeah but you know out of a cohort of 80 kids at my primary school i would always be sort of like seventh or eighth and it wasn't even a that i was faster fitter or anything than what these other kids were like and i was as i said a pretty chubby kid didn't run overly well but I think even from sort of the age of seven or eight, I actually like being in the hurt locker. Mm. Like it was something that I enjoyed was running to the point where I was not feeling very well. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of what got me there. And then when I got to CrossFit and I went, how easy is it to get to that point of like, I'm absolutely destroyed. And because that was a feeling that I loved, yeah. that's, that's sort of what I fell in love with was that. And then... Over the years, I've had to actually learn to dial that
0: back a little yeah. bit because yeah, um, that can be thirty <laughs> seconds. Yeah, <to> yeah. <laughs> you know, my experience
1: with
2: <laughs> 30? Shit. Wow. Yeah, You're so right, I yeah. think that's what made I'm me. I'm kind of over an that. athlete, Rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right.
1: So I think that's actually what got me into it in the first place was this hurts, and like I enjoy that. And also, then once I did find it, like as I said, I was. I was that chubby kid and then I started to notice like I was no longer that chubby kid doing CrossFit and then it sort of started to get better. I started like doing better at the school cross countries and doing better at, we had like a biathlon that we did and I found my fitness level went through the roof when I was doing CrossFit so it just became more and more attractive to me. You know rugby got easier, um, like all these things got easier to do and that's where it sort of stemmed from
0: awesome did you went on to compete in CrossFit
1: yeah yeah I did so what did I do so after I've been in CrossFit for maybe like six months I went to I want to say RevX in Hornsby and they had like a teens comp that they did and I did that teens comp and went really well in that and yeah that was pretty much the spark of it and then I started doing I was relatively good at CrossFit when I was first starting out so I ended up like getting paired with a couple of The older guys to go and do local comps or teams of four or whatever it was. Um, My weightlifting was relatively good, so I ended up transitioning into and even doing some weightlifting for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's the other thing I think CrossFit's really good if you're super competitive because there's almost that aspect of I want to be the best at everything, and then there's all of a sudden there's CrossFit, which kind of allows you i mean it's not footy it's not soccer it's not basketball it's not cricket it's not that but yeah. it is like a little bit of everything is running it's rowing it's lifting it's pull-ups it's toast bar it's this it's that it's that. and there's that drive of like i want to be good at every single one of those things i don't want to be good at just one thing yeah um yeah. so i think it's good for if you're ultimately competitive i think it's a fantastic sport sport mm. to come into yeah and i don't know if you notice that but i have always noticed like people get drawn to it for that reason sometimes. Like you see people that are quite naturally gifted, let's say social athletes or even not even just social athletes, like footy players who hear about it and then they come and want to do it purely because they want to be better than everyone else at it. And that it it really does draw that level in. As soon as, if you flick on ESPN and watch the games, like I've heard that many people bag out CrossFit and yep. ta- tell me how stupid CrossFit is and then flick on the games and go, holy shit. Yeah, Like, yep. those blokes are incredible. Mm. And you go, well, yeah. Like, I don't know what everyone's been telling you for so long. <laughs> yeah, that's but, right. Like, this is literally a group of people that train X amount of hours, or train 15 hours a week purely to be good at everything.
0: Yes. Went on to regionals. Yep. A- so...
1: I guess that's where you were trying to lead yeah, that yeah, question, was, wasn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, after I got through sort of those initial couple of years and then that little bit of time sort of once I turned 18, going off the rails of training a little bit, yep. when I came back and started getting a bit more into it, um, I went to two regionals in a team. So I had a quiet back of my mind goal of trying to qualify – In the first year um, And didn't get anywhere near qualifying as an individual I think I came like 72nd or something And then I ended up in a team that year Mm -hmm. Um, The following year Again like I was a little bit more vocal about my goal Of trying to get there as an individual But I ended up missing out by I came 50th so back then that was um, It was top 30 That's when it was still It was still regionals Um, So I ended up going as a team again that year um, and that was like to be honest going to regionals in a team is an awesome experience like yeah it's like it is essentially just going out and throwing and while we were kind of in a bit of a almost blessed position where we were never going to podium like we were never going to be in the top heat with our team um and all of us knew that but that meant it was literally just a chance for four friends to go and throw down down and Mm. have some fun like on the regional stage. Yeah. Which was really, really cool. Um, And then the next year I ended up, they kiboshed regionals and I was like, oh shit, like I was so on the cusp last year. I feel like I'm going to get it this year and they decide that they're going to can it. But then we ended up having sanctionals. So, um, and to be honest, Down Under, Down Under was the only one that I had a a crack at Dubai and stuff a couple of years ago. Um, Wasn't anywhere near Dubai at that point. Um, but qualified for down under through the open. Um, and yeah, to be honest, down under, like it's the same faces. It's the same people. It's the same venue. It's mm. everything's the same. It's run by the guy who runs it. Um, what's his name?
0: Does he own CrossFit FX? Yes. What's yeah. his name? Um, um I, I, all's no I know no. is he runs CrossFit. God, FX. <laughs> I'm
1: having a, I'm having a mind blank. It'll come to me later. But he's been in CrossFit a long time. Long time. Yeah. Long, long time. Um, it's run by the same person, you okay. know, his right-hand woman is the same female, same woman that it's, she's always been, like, yeah. Um, so it's the exact same competition, it's just, it's no longer programmed by HQ, which is essentially what they tried to do by going away from regionals, yeah. was yep. all of a sudden, CrossFit didn't need to supply all the equipment, all the support staff, right, all the workouts, streamline the sanctionals events, which is really all they were trying to do by yeah. changing to a sanctionals, but be honest nothing really changed so yeah. what year that was, was that
0: cool. that you went to you did that
1: last year so okay. last year's february open um qualified me for that yep and then the october open from last year was just on the back end of that um, thing and that qualified me for what should have been this year's down under and obviously down under's got cancelled so yeah but we're lucky enough where our qualification carries over till next year they decided that you know everyone because there's a especially like if you look at taylor for example like she qualified for down under Mm -hmm. this year and her first individual appearance or should have been her first individual appearance and then they cancel it so yeah so it's lucky that they said that everything would carry
0: over yeah till next year so that's cool is that still the goal to to do those next year
1: yeah yeah so next year i'll still do that um working towards the open at this point the open is funny, like from an ego point of view, I want to do well. Like I had aspirations for the October Open that is now the February Open with everything changing around so much.
0: Everyone wants to do well in the Open. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I had some good goals for that, but now that it's not as much of an issue because I don't have to qualify, I'm mm. already qualified. Um, now it is less of an issue, but it's still something that I want to do well in. Yeah. Um, but I guess down under is more of the goal because that's I guess the biggest stage
0: yeah why coaching what what sparked your interest to get involved in coaching I don't
1: really know to be honest um, I guess just wanted to be around the gym more yeah is really I guess a big part of it wanted to be the boss yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, no yeah. I really I, I, I really don't know what would have sparked it from the beginning um, yeah. like but that sort of Position was always a position I put myself in. Like I coached baseball, I umpired baseball. So I guess it was kind of a natural transition. And I think someone actually even said it to me. Like I think I was helping out someone with a clean and jerk or something one day. And one of the old coaches, one of my old coaches said, oh, you ever thought about actually doing coaching? And I hadn't, but I guess CrossFit coaching in particular was, you know, you enjoyed being around CrossFit, you enjoyed doing CrossFit, so... how do you be around it more how do you do it more is to coach and i think um i think also whilst we always say that like athletes don't necessarily make the best coaches i think for an athlete coaching can be one of the best things for you for yourself as an athlete because gaining an understanding of how things work and how different people tick is good even for your own personal growth as an athlete yeah yeah
0: where he brings out some empathy in you as well. For sure.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I was not an empathetic person before I started coaching. Like, <laughs> you, can, you can ask Andy about that. um So, yeah, definitely. I think the people skills and stuff that you gain from yeah. coaching is pretty awesome as well. Yeah. Sort of like what people say, yeah, you know, everyone should work behind a bar at some point in their life. And yes. That's purely for that people skills. Yeah. Deal with drunks. Yeah. Deal with drunks. <laughs> yeah. Learn to deal with difficult people.
2: Yeah. So what was your biggest lesson in empathy as a coach?
1: That not everyone responds to things the way that I respond to things is probably a good thing. Like um, not everyone is – constructive criticism is harder to give than what you think. I always responded quite well to just being told what I was doing wrong and to fix it, whereas – a lot of people don't respond overly well to that. So yeah. that was probably a big lesson for me was better interpersonal skills or better reading someone's situation.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, that's probably the biggest one.
0: How long have you been coaching for? Uh, seven, it's seven. It's turning into an interview, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, six years. No, six just seven. for people that don't know, yeah. Yeah, um, six years. So, Yeah, wow. Well.
2: Please send in, guess Steve's age. We had a guessing competition Oof. the other night, so there's a few off the mark, so... Send it in once you listen to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell you how old he is later. <laughs> did you guys have a guessing competition? No. There? No. 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 <laughs> no, we did downstairs, didn't we?
1: Yes. Yeah, Everyone was well off.
0: What's... We What's your snatch and clean and jerk PBs? Oh, geez, it really is turning into an interview. <laughs> um, <laughs> These are questions that people have asked, actually, like throughout. To, are they? Um, oh, yeah. I, I heard Steve's into weightlifting. What What's he snatch? What's he clean and jerk? Uh, I my, actually
1: don't know. My best snatch off the floor is 115. Yeah. Uh, my I think I have a bit more in me. My best snatch off blocks is 121. Mm-hmm. Um, my best clean and jerk is 149. Um, My best jerk is 155 And my best clean
0: is 150 Nice And you've competed in weightlifting as well?
1: Yep Yeah so I did weightlifting as a youth though So I mean I've dabbled in it again since um, yep. But not really competitively More just in a um. Hey do you want to come do a weightlifting comp? Yeah sure Yeah. Yep. But I did do it as a youth So when I was 16 I did state champs and nationals um, When I was younger And then that sort of sparked my more interest in the weightlifting side of things a little bit and that's when i started like hanging out with andy and stuff gonna ask
0: who's that where you met andy
1: uh no so me and andy started doing crossfit at about the same time
0: oh really
1: um yeah the same gym and then after that me and him both sort of simultaneously got a little bit more into the weightlifting side of things and then obviously he went very much the weightlifting side and i sort of stayed a little bit more towards crossfit yeah
0: cool um Speaking of which, so I'll I'll put this up. I'll try and get this up tonight, tomorrow morning. But mm-hmm. this Saturday we've got a weightlifting workshop that yep. that you're running Um through. So you, yeah, you've and you started your business. Yeah, concept, yeah. Steve. Concept and concept programming, programming and, and performance. performance. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just had to. <laughs> but yeah, so running a workshop this Saturday here. Yep. Um, what What can the guys expect to do? So.
1: Andy's going to come in with me, um, so Andy from Raw Barbell, and we're going to go through, to start off, we're going to look at some release work and sort of priming and that sort of thing for the snatch with some general feedback um, about that, like, you know, common issues, common fixes for those issues for people who, that way we can look a little bit wide spectrum without having to get too individualised. Um, yep. And then... From then, Andy's going to go through, Andy in particular anyway, I'll be floating around to help out, is going to go through the snatch. So he's going to go through position one, position two, position three. Um, We're going to have a look at sort of some common issues that we see particularly from CrossFitters. So, for example, CrossFitters tend to be very heel dominant. So we're going to have a look at, you know, fixing some body position and fixing some weight distribution and that sort of thing. Um, And then from there, once Andy's brushed over that stuff, or not brushed over, but once he's gone through that stuff, I'm going to go through a little bit more the crossfit side of it mm-hmm. in barbell cycling, you know, the difference between cycling well from the hang, cycling well from the floor, um, practice doing some touch-and-go reps, but then also practice doing some not-touch-and-go cycling. How can you make that faster? What's better? What's worse? Should you move your feet? Should you not move your feet? Yeah. Um, and then after that, we'll hopefully have time for a little bit of sort of question time if people if people want it hopefully we can get a chance to go through some drills to fix some of those smaller issues as well whether yeah, it would be
0: yeah so if you do want to book for that um, workshop so it's this Saturday the 26th 9.30 till 11 11.30 yep um, go to MindBody select 26th September go to the weightlifting workshop and book and pay so it'll be well worth it hey
1: yep it definitely will be yeah, yeah. something for everyone
0: yeah do you have any fears or phobias
1: oh is you know i'm not scared of heights but this is like a bit of an embarrassing (laughs) one for me like i'm not like i'm not i'm genuinely not scared of heights at all like i don't get that weak in the legs or that sick in my tummy feeling when i look over the top of a handrail or anything like that yeah but i hate 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 ladders i hate them yeah. Like I hate I hate ladders. Like in my shed we've got a ladder that just goes up to the mezzanine where we like store camp chairs and different things up there and it takes me 30 40 seconds to get up this like six step ladder. <laughs> I hate it. I hate them so much. I don't know why. Don't know. It doesn't stem from anything. It's just like I I can be two rungs up a ladder and my legs are like shaking.
0: Yeah, so if we get to change the rings here, we get the ladder out, no. you're no chance. Yeah. No, I'm no <laughs> chance.
1: No, but I'm like a much better... Well, actually, you weren't here the other day when I got, like, we were adjusting the rings yeah. for Taylor and, like, I was about to climb up and then John went, do you want me to climb up and do it? And yes. I went, yep, <laughs> John, for yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. John's good at that. He
0: just <laughs> scoots straight up the pole and away yeah. he
1: goes. Um, but that being said, I would feel more... Com- I don't know what it is about ladders. Yeah. I feel like ladders... In the back of my mind, I feel like they're unstable. Yeah. I think that must be what it is because like the rings at my house, for example, we put them up on the top rung of the rig and that involves me like doing a muscle up up, and then putting my foot up and standing up on this thin bar and that doesn't make me that uncomfortable, but if you ask me to walk up a three-step step ladder, <laughs> <laughs> it's all over. Maybe it's just your mind's unstable. <laughs> it must be. It's like, oh, I don't like it. I don't know why.
0: One time we had to change the rings over, and I walked to the length of the gym to go and get the ladder, and I got the ladder, come back out, and then seeing that John had scooted up the poles <laughs> and was already adjusting the rings, I was, I'll just put this back.
2: Because <laughs> <laughs> Craig's got a fear of heights, yeah. and when we, we um, nah. put him up on the old... Uh, Scaffold when we were painting this place, and remember him in the corner over there, It was shaking. I shit yeah. my pants. <laughs> yeah,
1: see, see, I don't know what it is. Even scaffolding, like scaffolding, yep, doesn't really bother me. But if you ask me to
0: walk up a ladder, it's <laughs> it's no good. We'll definitely we'll introduce him to John Husway and that stolen ladder. <laughs> yes, sure. Yeah, anyway, we'll play something for you later. Um, and do you have any questions, Rich, or for your young good.
2: Steve? Oh, no, just, yeah, the concept programming and performance. Where do you want to take it?
1: Um, I guess, as I was saying, during the whole COVID thing, like it was kind of – it was something that I'd always planned on doing was having something that was mine. Um, But then when the whole COVID thing came in, it sort of – it was almost to make – to still be making a living, like it's something that I had to do something. Um, So it was a kick in the butt to get that going. Um, For me – I really enjoy the programming sense of things and the coaching side of things as well. So it's just... um, I would love to be able to have a whole bunch of people, but I really enjoy the personal side of it as well. So I guess for me, having a good amount of people that are one-on-ones or individual athletes that I can work with um, via that, whether if they be... They don't have to be elite athletes, but people that want to get better and want to do what they have to do to get better. um, I really enjoy working with those types of people. So it's probably, um, obviously it's an income, but it's also a little bit of a love job as well where that's what I enjoy doing. Mm. Um, And then also the other thing was from a sporting perspective, um, having, I guess, a name that isn't just my name, um, if I can have some level of publicity with that, maybe that helps me get more of a step towards whatever sport that I may want to move into or yeah. if I ever do move into a sport like as I said it's the mu- the water's a bit muddy at the moment so it's hard to know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. We we're sort of pretty big here on having pathways for people to so if you bring your purpose to a reedy we try and create a pathway for you to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. And so talking to you when we first did was um, what sparked our interest as, you know, along with yourself, is developing a high-performance to a Reedy and through concept. Um, Can you give a little bit of insight into what that might look like for people that maybe want to compete in CrossFit? Yeah,
1: for sure. So I guess what we sort of envisioned was obviously there's people that – want to do extras to be better and better and better because they either want to compete or they just want to be better than what they are now so we were talking about having that avenue for people obviously through a reading through concept as well yeah and what that what we envisioned anyway that would look like is some sort of a couple of days a week chance to have a team training um team training session or a competition session or whatever it is where we come in and we have a look at some of the really advanced side of crossfit whether if that be you know the muscle ups and handstand walks and bar muscle ups and all different things and have a chance to break that down not only in a not because it's secluded but trying to organize a time where we have like-minded people gather yep. to do it so if, I know sometimes there's absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to train because you enjoy training and it makes you feel good about yourself. But if you're a competitive person and you yep. really, really want to be competitive, it definitely helps to be around people that really, really want to be competitive. And it goes the other way as well. People who come in because they like the social aspect and they want to train and they want to feel good about themselves. Maybe they want to lose a couple of kilos. But essentially they do it just because they enjoy it, not because they have a deep-seated drive to want to be better than everyone else yeah um Mm. those people tend to congregate together and that's and that's fine that's awesome that's what it should be but if you're you know you have one in a hundred people that are like yourself that really want to be good at everything they do um to a point where they're competitive about it then it helps to be around other people who are the same because it it creates that drive yes um So what we were talking about was can we have an opportunity for those people to come together if they want to, Mm -hmm. um, whether if that be a couple of nights a week, a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning or a lunchtime or whenever it may be. And then also rather than feeling like people need to go elsewhere, I guess, to get that, um, do, I guess, for me anyway, I feel like you're going to get a lot out of it if we can provide a – extras program for example that people like that can follow but then also they have the added benefit of having access directly to a coach Mm -hmm. the coach who is writing the program the coach knows what it's supposed to be if they have questions about the program they can ask it the coach is in there watching them do the program half the time so feedback can be then and there um i think from a competitive athlete point of view one of the issues that crossfit has always had is the and I say like I'm doing the online stuff for myself, but one of the issues is that a lot of people are sourcing to people they're never ever going to have a one on one with. Yeah. So how do you know? And yeah. Can we provide some sort of an individualized aspect to essentially what people are looking for, um, and can we add that one on one face time or face value for people who Yeah are searching for that, and I think that extra sort of face that we can provide is what's really going to help people go from where they are now to where they want to be.
0: Yeah, that's good. And if anyone's listening that wants, you know, that sparks an interest in them, like come and see us and come and see you mm-hmm. and so we can start to have that co- those conversations in here about, um, you know, developing a high-performance team or or taking yourself to that next level or, Mm. you know, you might want to, whether it's um, going from socially to being a competitor, Mm. then um, come and see us and come and see you and Mm -hmm. um, we want to start to create that pathway for people to um, go above and beyond just um, training and Mm. just to become a competitor. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, come and see us and see if we can... uh, we see, especially 2021, something we definitely want to um, launch off the ground and see where we can take it. Yep, for sure. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. Well, mm. good. I think you have some classes, to coach, now, mate. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> um, That's right. Just a couple of rapid fire questions I always ask people. What's yep. your favorite takeaway meal? Pizza. What type? What's your favorite topping? Everything meat. <laughs>
2: Everything.
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite all time movie? Oh for nostalgic purposes probably SWAT with Colin Farrell and oh, Samuel yeah. L. Jackson. Yep. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Teleport. Yeah, nice. And if you're down to your last twenty bucks and then it's all over, what what how would you spend it? Mm. A really nice glass of scotch. Yeah. Tommy would love that. Mm. Except
1: twenty dollars probably <laughs> isn't that. gonna get me a really nice <laughs> glass of scotch. It's gonna get me a mid range glass what of scotch. What were you saying <laughs> you were
0: drinking last week it was like something like seventy bucks
1: Yeah, I oh know. it wasn't that much, it was thirty five dollars a nip, but oh, it was, was just, it was maybe almost nice double. Bottle. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was a nice bottle of scotch, it really was. Yeah. Um it just yeah. got a half a nip. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, Steve, thanks so much, man. No worries. Um, yeah, enjoy the classes and it's great um, having you here. And Thank you. Um, yeah, just hope everyone gets something now, gets to know you a little bit better now, so thank you.
2: No worries at all. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. Thanks, Rich.